Tonight, we talk about Andor and Ahsoka Episode 5, as well as our hypothetical writer's room discussion. Then we'll talk about Star Trek DS9, and then we'll take some time to remember the memory of Cardinal Sin. All this coming up right now on The Writer's Welcome back to the Ryder Brothers, your Tuesday night home for Ahsoka and or Star Trek DS9. I am your host, Petey York, joined, of course, uh, by Mr. Corion, Witch in Residence. Thank you. Mr. Uh, Pollo Zapatos. And, uh, yeah, say something. Uh, we keep forgetting we're also a podcast, so we need, this, we need audio yeah. introductions as well. So, no, no, man. John. There we go. Okay. There we go. All right. And everybody can hear us out there. Hail to you, Nemesis of Eden, and everybody else out there watching. We're glad you're able to join us tonight. We've got quite a bit of uh, discussion to be had. Uh, uh, but, of course, we'll start, uh, as always, with our pop culture news segment. This has now become a normal thing on our Tuesday show, and it'll be a normal thing for... Uh, uh, until pop culture stops making so much damn news. I know, which will probably be never. Yay! Anyway, <laughs> um, there's always going to be news, whether it's positive or negative. That's why on this channel we just do honesty, because we can have honest discussions, positive or negative, and we can get the hate clicks when it's time to hate on something like Halo, and then, you know, girl, the rest of our audience the slow way with positivity. So, it is what it is. Um, but we do appreciate... Like, no more Halo? Um, yeah, well, they, right, exactly. We don't talk about Halo, the TV series. We talk about Halo, the video game, which is one of the greatest sure. video games of all time. And, uh, you know, why Halo Infinite is so amazing. It's because of me, of course. I got to work on it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Halo Infinite probably ranks about third best Halo, in my opinion. But that's a discussion for another time, even though we do talk about Halo, the video game. Um... No, right. we, uh, we we are here, uh, of course, to talk about Andor to Ahsoka and, uh, and our latest in pop culture news. But, Corion, what is going on in the pop culture sphere that we got to oh, discuss tonight? Man, Let's... so we can talk a little bit about the WGA strike, because I think that's, that's worth mentioning. Um, so the WGA deciding upon the fact that, hey, maybe it's time for some new leadership, uh, collectively got together and decided to try to set up new leadership and it's been a complete sham since day one um for starters all the new candidates had to be approved by the existing candidates who were only going to approve candidates that couldn't possibly win against them then the vote happens and the board miraculously gets re-voted back in despite the fact that a lot of members were determined to get old members out. So it really seems like um, this wasn't the kind of, uh, you know, wonderful and democratic process that we would see in countries, you know, such as China or Iran or Russia. Um, not the kind that we would see in North America in general. 
that we're supposed to see. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So there's reason to believe it's been a sham since 2000 or my entire lifetime. But that's a discussion for the Rogue Council. That is a definitely a discussion for the Rogue Council. But yeah. See, that's how we um, shamelessly promote shows. We talk about, briefly touch on little topics of controversy, and then we go, no, that's for that other show. Back to absolutely. restoring respect in the discourse. By, right, by but, arguing over pop culture. Yeah. But, uh, truth of the matter is, look, um, the good news is, talks are set to resume on Wednesday. And with any luck, we'll get some sort of resolution very, very soon because a lot of the writers are posting that they're starting to have to make hard choices. Like, can they afford rent in California anymore? Or can they afford to eat anymore? Uh, on top of that, too, there are some good uh, some good things that have come out of it. Major showrunners of shows that uh, were not serving the pop culture or, you know, the species at all have been suspended potentially indefinitely. So it looks like the purge of dubious entertainment is upon us. And with any luck, that purge will continue on to the point where we get pop culture back in our pop culture. So I think it's a mixed bag because I think all of us here want to see the strike resolved in a amicable solution for everybody. At the same time, showrunners that have gone out of their way to destroy franchises maybe maybe don't necessarily get their stuff renewed. Maybe they have to come up with new and better ideas before they get a new deal. Which I think we can all agree, a better, uh, better writing would benefit all of us. But yeah. see, that's the issue, is like people like Bill Maher, even a member of the Writers Guild, is running around saying that like writers don't deserve to be paid and that like like not necessarily not even just deserve it but like getting paid in writing is a gift not a minimum requirement for hours work do you think i'm sorry i'm sorry but do you seriously want to tell me right now that the guy who wrote obi-wan deserved the money that he got for that pile of shit yeah Unfortunately, see that's because if we pay bad labor, then we have something to base it on. Like, see, I think that's where we disagree. Because yeah, yeah, you can't. See, that's the issue: is you're taking your ball and going home after it was done. Like that guy was working regardless of whether or not it aired. Okay, but you should be paid on. That's the problem: is you should be paid on quality, not just because you did the job. This is right. where the ideology of, of communism fails because everyone's like, oh, well, they still did the work. No, they did a bad job. That's where, that's where I think, like, actually, like, negotiations based off of, like, labor should be uh, absolutely real. So, like, your royalties, you get 1% base, right? But if it crushes and you, like... If you earn a hundred percent revenue, you get twenty. Okay, so you, you at least agree points. that that reform so, like, does I still do need to happen. I believe that meritocracy is necessary, but I do also believe that the bad writers need to be paid a standard, a minimum, so that way that we can get some bad writers, so that we can get some bad content, so that we can then have good content to judge against the bad. I do hate that it happened with Star Wars, 
But I also do think the only group it was gonna happen was with Marvel and Star Wars. Do you really think that like any of these other like rom-coms or any of those, like they're all dead in the water too. Comedy is mostly dead in the water and it's all being just obliterated by just the constant investment in market research and audience reception and this goal of pleasing everyone. Like there seems to be no honest reconciliation that your product, Disney, is gonna have some enemies. It shouldn't yeah. be the fan base. It should be all of the moms of the fan base who are pissed that they keep having to buy all of these Christmas toys. And you should go bummer. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily you know? so so a set standard for for pay and whatnot. See, I but you gotta I don't think that's gonna go anywhere right now because I'm in the belief that as long as currency is but, central banking, it doesn't not, matter right like, now. And so all the good writers like, and any well hold on, let me finish please. I gave you the floor for a bit to say your piece. Right, you're right. Um it's it's I'm not for a certain for I'm I'm looking at things, and I agree there should be a minimum standard for, for like, basic needs and whatnot, simply because technology has changed how we live. If you were to take today's population and drop it into the 1800s, like, 95% of that population's dead in a, month, in a week. Because we are conditioned for this life. Most people, we, we live in the creature comfort life. That's just how we've evolved. That's why our lifespans live longer. That's okay. But that means that as the technology changes and grows, then so too does, you know, the way we look at economy and the fact that, you know, we, we don't have a proper meritoc meritocracy system. And that's what Corion's trying to point out. And that, that goes back to the system of, of elect, you know, people choosing who their successors are, like kings and queens. There's no actual election. And that's the problem is because there's no actual accountability at the top, there doesn't need to be accountability at the bottom. And so people can say that, oh, well, I'm a writer and I need to exist and eat. It's like, okay, sure, but you should also try to strive to do the best that you can and and also learn to be open to criticism. Like, I don't, I'm not that, I'm not a one-sided critic. People want to tear my book Galaxy apart. Please do. Just give me stuff I can work with to build on. So, well, there's two issues here. Number one, we're the smartest we've ever been as a society and also the most amenable. Like, drop us back in the 1800s and we're actually probably going to thrive because without constant pestering and propaganda, we all get along really well. That's like, I have been to so many states and even just different countries where the majority of people just don't want any beef and so what do they do don't give any beef and so what happens awesome general vibes good living i haven't been in any crazy violence yep that's what but that thing's all about that, right there the biggest issue that's going on with sag and wga is that it's the exact same thing that's going on with the workers over at the three uh, the big three auto industry Netflix has had record profits. Their contract with writers was, we're a small independent streaming service. We need you guys to be worth less until we get big. Netflix is the largest streaming service. And they never changed the contract. Like, it's literally bullshit. Like, they are just greedy. Two double-faced, 
horrible people. Like there is no if, ands, ors, or buts about it. When you have record profits and you say that it's too much to pay the people that literally fabricated those profits into existence from imagination. That's what fiction is. Okay, literally I the ether. Well, is John where from and you're saying you can't afford living wage for the writers that did that, let alone the new writers that you want to hire for the next gig and the next gig. Like Okay, but John, the problem the problem with you're your argument standing beggar that literally cheats his friends. Okay, but the problem with your argument is Disney's making record losses, not profits, and they're the biggest th- member of the table. But they were doing record profits until the last few years where they started only getting under quality writers. Like, literally, the last writers that they got, this is the problem. If we don't pay the good writers, they're going to go write books. Yeah. They're going to go run campaigns and write propaganda and All write right. marketing material right. because that's where they're going to make billions. All right. All right. But if we pay them well, they're going to stay here and write quality fiction yeah. and entertainment and make Disney money. Yeah. All right. They're so, literally reaping what they've sown. Mike Loves Cats. It's the fruits of their lack of labor. Mike Loves Cats writes in, I love Ahsoka, building a great story. Cool. Stick around. We will get to Ahsoka uh, yeah. shortly. And, and then it'll all be part of our Star Wars hypothetical writer's room. And uh, Daniel Larson has, uh, has chimed in. And uh, also says, gotta disagree with Poyo on the auto workers. Watch today's Crowder. Those workers work for not, for companies bailed out by billions of taxpayer dollars, and they want three times the average purchase pay, which appreciate uh, providing the source. And, I mean, for anyone who has personal issues with Stephen Crowder, that's fine. I don't I mean, have an I issue with him because he's independently funded and he's basically what we are here. So and, and, and just in have my base own, respect for him that way. In my own rebuttal to that all, the number one group that bailed out the auto industry was the auto laborers. And while the auto industry saw record profits for the last 15 years, plus government subsidies, the labor has never gotten a return. Worker wages. Yeah. Worker wages have stagnated since the seventies, but also it, it just, it comes back to, it's all central banking. Like, there's no reason to be arguing these points about what economy is better right now because we're all under it's the not, dollar. This isn't and an until... issue of economy. No, it this is. A, no, this is an issue of literally, like, tit for tat. The laborers said, we will sacrifice all COLA, all promotions, all retirement, so that the company does not fail circa 2008. The company didn't fail. The company yeah. never gave back anything that the employees, the laborers gave. Well, it doesn't. While the, the top of the company has only received benefits year over year, even in 2008. Yeah. It, it, when their team I, sacrificed, I get it. I get, I get that this matters to you, Christmas but bonus. it doesn't matter if we're under fiat currency. None of it does. Retirement, okay, cola, cost of living, that's... all of it. No, all of it's irrelevant. If they can just inflate the dollar into oblivion at, at will, if the IMF can decide that the, the yes, valuation, that the dollar's no longer the world's reserve currency, happen. you're arguing for a dead system and you're, you're making okay. this argument. All right, guys, both of you, let's, let's go back to corners for a second here. Let, let's yeah. first degree one thing. One, 
Petey, I respect your position when it comes to economic stuff, but that's definitely a Rogue Council piece. John, I think we can both agree. Actually, I think all three of us can agree that you're only worth what you can hammer out across the negotiation table when it comes to this. So if they they are arguing... Right, so if they are arguing for higher wages than average, more power to them to try to negotiate it, so long as they're willing to settle for reasonability somewhere in between okay. and, and that's it then then we're all in a good we're all in a good spot then Here, here's yes? what it here's, here's what it comes thing. down to ultimately I was, I was responding i was rebutting the original the post from our commenter who said that they're asking for 40 percent or or three times the average wage but their company earned the highest profits it's ever received ever all of their ceos received three times increase over the time period that their employees received nothing right they and this this can all be fair trade because yeah they and this this can all be easily defeated okay this can all be easily defeated when you understand what central banking is and you understand that it's all made up nonsense that is never stop in the cutting me off yet stop no but you keep bringing that up like stop it's, it's this Yes, it is. It is. Because all it takes at this point is to recognize what true value is. And true value, the only value, valuable thing in this existence, in this life, is our time and how we spend it. And so what's happening, this is part of the reason why the working class, why the slave class across the world is waking up to the reality that I don't want to spend 40 plus hours a week working for another company that isn't going to give a shit about my hard sacrifice. Because the only people that remember your sacrifice are your family, particularly your children, that are going to ask why daddy was never home, or why daddy and mommy were never home, or why I was raised by the nanny. And that's where we start to have real economic discussion because we recognize that in the end, it's not money, it's not gold, it's not silver, it's not tangible material wealth so much. It's okay to like those things. We're a consumer species, but it all comes down to our time. And that's what they steal from you when they get you cooked onto the economic system of fiat currency and the nine to five bullshit. And that's why it's not, you don't want to just, you don't want to have arguments about, okay, well, I need to be paid more of the fake money so I can, you know, make it worth my while. No, what you want to negotiate is I need just enough fake money to cover all of my needs and more importantly, so I can spend time with my family because I don't get to and live this life again. And that's where that's the argument needs I, to start. That's, that's what I'm trying to get to is like, that's, we need to, we need to agree that time is our currency, not freaking dollars. I'm focused on the fact that the question is nothing more than the human question of fair trade. Input for output, output for input, right? The company saying yep. that they cannot afford to pay their people back, yet somehow, over that same amount of time, they paid their CEO three times his rate from when the company failed under his watch. Right, and I'm not saying the that these failure, are bad discussions. Times the bonus, right. and the failure is saying that he can't pay. He's a liar. And he's not trading fairly. Right. And that's why they're striking. He's literally reaping the fruits of his failed labor once again. And that's 
all I'm beefing with. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the actual. Well, you need to what though. the demands are. What I care about is the people that are failing need to start getting called out, and they yeah. need to start getting replaced because if we don't replace the failures. We get exactly what we've got because if you pop culture news jump back into our zone, EA, the CEO who just obliterated EA, is now the CEO of Unity, and he's literally bringing microtransactions to game production against death. See, now like you're starting to see it. You're starting to see it's all connected. No, no, not just connected, but look at how stupid investors are. So when companies say we're doing it for the shareholders, shareholders, you're stupid, and we shouldn't listen to you. You know what Henry Ford said to his shareholders? Make money. Leave if you don't trust me.、And、that's it, because that's what you do. Because these CEOs that you keep wheeling and dealing, EA and Unity, and now freaking Bob Iger and all these idiots, man. None of them are good. No, they're not. And that's what we need to call out. That's what we need to focus on. Is it has not so much to do with the dollar and cents amount. It has to do with who the central point of failure is, so that we can actually recreate these industries. Because all of them have all the IPs. All of them have what we want. And、yeah. if we can actually get good pilots、yeah. in charge of them, hey, yeah, Nemesis of Eden. Everybody、Enjoy.、Wins. Thanks for、uh, thanks for tuning in, and of course, I think、uh, I think our Ahsoka pre-show is about to wrap up, so so we probably will need to get into our Andor discussion soon. But、uh, but yeah, and that's what it comes down to, and that's why you know that's where I support the strikes overall, is because the writers and the and the you know these workers do feel that they are undervalued, and that's what it comes down to. But if we want to make true effective change to where it hurts. You know, you gotta stop worrying about playing in the system the way it is, and start saying, "No, no, I'm a human. I'm just as valuable in existence as you, Bob Iger, and you, President of the United States, and every other human is of equal value. It's our actions that can degrade it over time." And so that's that's part of it is is both recognizing our value as humans and our time, which is precious to us. That's how you because then. You know, at that point, when everybody starts, and that's what's happening. That's why people aren't doing the the lower class schlep jobs as much because it's like, no, I can just go get an online degree doing IT and I can work from home, like Corion is may or may not be doing. I can't remember first what to say on the air. Sorry. Um, <laughs> in 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 your spare time, obviously. But the point is, and, you know, and then look at this: YouTube channels are also becoming a normal thing, a normal source of income for people. There's people that build up channels to like two or three thousand, then they stay. Stand-up comedy is surprisingly a lucrative industry. Like, yeah, what? That's literally the epitome. Like growing up, I'm pretty sure stand-up comedy comics were one of two things: theater acts or drug-addicted failures. And now they're actually making a substantial living、yep. on their own sweat. You're right. Or、That's、still、exactly、drug addicted、true. failures. Let's not leave them out because I, I want to make sure we include everyone. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just more saying like they finally got a gray, 
it used to be black and white, but now there's actually a mix of theater money makers and then stuff like yeah. apparently traveling All right. acts. All right, time to get makers. into what 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 the people have, of course uh, come here for, and that is our our actual pop culture diving into our yeah, specific let's topics. Do this. Let's get into Andor, and let's go ahead and start with our quick, quick, non-spoiler overview. Hold on a second. Daniel Lars writes in, So, to find something not so controversial, how about that Doomcock rumor that Filoni is now KK's lapdog using Ahsoka in the Force? Daniel Larson, we will open the Ahsoka discussion with that one. Thank you for yep. reminding me. I meant to bring that up. Um, yep. We will talk about that. Right. We will preamble that with the the discussion the ahsoka discussion first then we'll dive into ahsoka but let's quickly go around the room and or uh episode five um yeah i, I thought this was uh it, i think it's time i really hope uh, episode six starts to deliver on some more action because uh it's it was pretty this, good this build up. Hmm? yeah this was definitely like the start of the heist movie right like, right you know, and I feel like you probably could have shortened this down to like a half hour and still gotten the same kind of dramatic buildup and pathos and everything else. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I do enjoy the series. I do enjoy letting stuff breathe. This, though, is more this is more time than I needed in this. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, like I liked it, but it was like, all right, it's 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 time to we we've had this is now another third episode of hard exposition. We we need some we, we need some some what what are we watching again? Star Wars. Yeah, we need some star. We need some wars in the stars, but we're not with the lightsabers. We forgo the lightsabers. Don't need that crap. <laughs> Let's just keep it the blasters. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, you're good, uh, Daniel Larson. Uh, but no, it was I meant to say it during the pop culture segment, but it's all right. We'll tie it on at the end or uh, tie it on at the beginning of the episode. Um, so yeah, I, I still give it a six out of seven. It's still a good show. I don't hate it, and I did not like Andor in uh, Rogue One, so I was not ever excited for this show at all. I now am actually interested to seeing how this arc plays out and where he came from. It's it's an interesting backstory. Um, so I definitely you, show this you know to someone I'm... before Rogue One. This probably inadvertently makes Rogue One better. Damn it. You, you know what, though? I will say this. I'm actually now more invested in the corporate security dude who lost his job than I am in Cassian Andor. Yep, yeah, right? And that's another interesting character that we've never seen before. Anything could happen to him. He could die. And, and we won't know. But, uh, John, real quick, what's your rating for Andor Episode 5? I, I mean, I, uh, I got bored. Fair. I I noticed something today with Ahsoka, and it's something I'm actually, like, starting to notice more and more with, like, modern media. Like, some of these shows, man, you can't listen. And without the sound, like, without the audio being important... Man, you're really begging for my attention. And and I noticed it more with Ahsoka, but with Andor even, just the dialogue. I'm just bored. So dry and so like, here's emotional resonance. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I get it, but I don't. But like, 
and and it's frustrating because like it legitimately is the difference between like good like dialogue and good immersion in the audio in the background like if you notice in andor they're on this new planet we've never been to before and you can't hear anything no there's no ticks no cicadas no bugs nothing in the land making noise it's just a box the whole time and yeah their voices clear as day no problem there but then when you listen to their voices what do you hear i just uh so hard in this heat that you can't hear because like in hot climates there's bugs for days every hot climate i've ever been to has been louder than new york city on any given day but somehow in andor and star wars and just most of this stuff man like sorry jump to ahsoka real quick the whales all we hear is the most basic whale noise ever he's either saying root beer float or go to the back of his throat like chill dory like i'm bored that's what i give it yeah so uh four out of seven we actually had some response sure. on our polls. I forgot to look at the results before the show. My bad. I'm 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 the competent showrunner, guys. <laughs> anyway, um, one day we will have the perfect show, and on that day, we will finally get another subscriber. But it is not this day. Um, hey, we're up to three fifty one. We're like almost hey, we're to the point something. of YouTube monetization, which I don't think we're even gonna bother with. We will we will advertise our monetization on next week's show though. No, we'll know. use the YouTube monetization to get some like cool ads, and I'll just put them all over my screen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All so, right, we gotta uh, catch up real quick on some fan mail. Daniel Larson reassures us with, "Don't worry, the next episode is very exciting. Then two episodes later, you start the three episode arc. That is the absolute best of the whole show." All right, cool. Okay. So should be a banger of an ending. Mike Loves Cats says, Stellan Skarsgård deserves his own show. The man is a supreme actor, Diamond Hill. Totally agree. Uh, who was that again? Uh, which one is he? I assume or that's she? the, the guy uh, He's, the, he's the guy who recruited uh, Cassian. Um, the guy who runs Bro, the, I the agree. shop. I agree, Mike Loves Cats. That's a, a good point. in every universe. You put that actor in anything. I love him. He is... <laughs> Daniel Larson, Daniel Larson says, temper your expectations with, eh, not the ending though. That was a letdown. All right, cool. Okay. Uh, Oh, and he says, dang it, took the Aragorn quote right out of my mouth. Okay. Wow. Happens. Um, All right. Yeah. He says episode eight through 10 for all intents and purposes are the climax of Andor. Oh, cool. So we'll be going up to two episodes of Andor a week once Ahsoka ends. Um, so then we can get the show done, and then uh, okay. and then probably figure out. I don't know. I think we gotta figure out. We gotta have a content discussion. Figure out what we want to cover. There's some pretty good stuff coming up on Paramount Plus. Another Taylor Sheridan epic, but we can talk about it afterwards. Um. So spoiler discussion. We uh. Yeah, I mean, John, that is a very good point, and I think we'll probably clip that for a short in the future. Um. Because uh, that that was, uh... <laughs> yeah, 
I didn't even think of that. Like, I'm, I'm digging the music, the acting's fine, but you're right, that's missing. I'm gonna notice that now, because, yeah, every time we go camping, even in Idaho, you can always hear birds, bats, beetles, bugs. There's over 10,000 species trying to mate with the, everything in sight, yeah. <laughs> At the same time. It's Hollywood's too so suggestive loud. and full of sex. Loud. Meanwhile, nature. <laughs> yeah, all around you when we go camping. It, it To me, it's just... Like, I've been noticing... They're learning so much about world building from YouTubers. Yeah. People that are barely independently making it. And they've been doing their just their absolute best to get there. Shout out to Future Me. One of my just all-time favorites and just one of the greatest explainers and teachers of world building. Two books, Dude, third on the way. Future Me is probably right. like the greatest human who ever lived. Let's be realistic. Yeah, hello Future I mean, Me. You know. Sweetheart, amazing <laughs> to listen to. His advice is sound. And he actually talks about the like most grotesque things. But like... <laughs> I need a soundboard. I need like the biggest puking noise right now. Just actually, I, I I actually love love. I think it's. I think when people talk about time being our greatest commodity, I think that's shit. Our greatest commodity is love, and and time is how we get the chance to develop and express our love. And so, like, I love Hello Future Me. Hey, because like he's helped me with world building. And what pisses me off is that like Disney. Could literally read any one of his books. So Nail it. When Every did, time, forever. When did, when did Pollo Zapatos get replaced by Bob Iger? Like, jeez. Anyway. That sounds like a conversation Kathleen Kennedy had in the mirror for the longest time at Lucasfilm. Because, you know... Love is important, but love is, like, the coolest love that you can ever show in television is that sacrificial, I'm this warrior who has to hide his love so that he can be the one that looks hard enough to defend the people but like they don't write that character anymore like there's no character that is the hero that loves the people so much he hides his problems from them in a stoic way rather than a destructive soon to be villain way and that's what's frustrating is because like Love doesn't have to be open expression of constant passion and praise. No. But it also kind of does need to be said sometimes. I, right. I, I, yeah, I guess. But uh, And how does this relate to Andor? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's no love. <laughs> Daniel Larson freaking love? out in the Where's chat the says, story, Wait until episode 10! Um... Which, uh, I hope I captured your emotion there, Daniel Larson, but yeah, that's, that's... You are lucky. I am 100% willing to get there. I just got bored today. Yeah, I mean, look, this was... Okay, this is the kind of episode that I would expect in a heist, like, movie to be a montage, not a full, dragged out, hour-long event, right? I am totally cool with little models and going through the plan and realizing the flaws of the plan and doing something about them. I am all good with learning about the other members of the team and what they're about and where they're going and 
little pieces of knowledge that are going to help me relate to these guys so that when they get in trouble, I feel something for them. The problem is you have to make that writing tight, especially if we're not going to be hanging around with these guys indefinitely. Like, I feel like there is a very, very good chance. What? We're going to lose half of them during this mission, at least. And if that's the case, I don't want to get super invested in them because then I'm just going to be annoyed that you wasted my time getting to know somebody that's going to die. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious Andor's wearing Kirk Gold and everybody else is a red shirt going into this battle. <laughs> right, but here's the issue. I would rather actually care. The problem is then you watch- get into like... Like Game of, of Thrones like, problems, though, right? Like, you get into right, the... Good. No, it's not, be. man. Because that's what got frustrating about Game of Thrones. Is like, I get just enough information to get invested about it, invested in a dude before you off him. And then I don't... Right. Then the investment doesn't pay off. Like, dude, yeah. if I wanted to not have investments pay off, I'd play the U.S. stock market. To me, the, that's where, like... I think that's where Game of Thrones nailed it early and lost it late. Was like, you get me invested in characters, and then you roll the dice on which one of 12 new investments is a flop. Right, but I mean, I'm fairly convinced. Okay, but here's the thing I'm fairly convinced based on the information I've gotten about each of these characters. That we're going to see Cassian because we the show's named after him. But everybody else is on the short bus to Oblivion. Exactly, and that's what's frustrating. It, it, like, when it comes to the story, is either it's all 12 people or 11 are going to just be gone. But then even Cassian, didn't he die in Rogue One? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, so like nobody's making watching, it out of this. Yeah, this this the Dead Men's Tales. And it's like, okay... Like, honestly, to me, you had to give Cassian a hero's death in Rogue One. You had to give him this trust out of, like, Han Solo, but failed. Han Solo, but but it literally just vanquished. But the whole movie was us falling in love with him. He's the pilot that helps the main character. See, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't really fall in love with Cassian. Um, You know, like, I, I liked it. I liked the character. I thought the character was good. I didn't fall in love with the character, though. Because, I mean, the character was one of these, like... Okay, is are they not likable? Because, like, we know this dude, like, will off somebody when they're inconvenient. So it's like, am I supposed to not like them or like them and then be sad they're dead? Right? Like, like pick one. Like, that, I think that goes back to the, like, the love character. Like, being, like, love being important in, like, your stoic characters. is like, Andor's supposed to be this stoic hero right but like that more independent hero that's mostly focused on saving his people his sister right, but he comes right? off as an anti-hero that no, just i don't want to invest in exactly like he's just a dick like it, like the difference between a hero and a dick is that the hero when you're like yeah he'll off anybody that's inconvenient but his definition of inconvenience is like literally adding lead while also being on top of his shoulders like, that's when the hero that's not, like, perfectly paladin will off the inconvenience. And you're like, okay, 
I accept this hero. He's more of a mature leader. But then, like, this guy is just like, no, I'll off you because you made me feel bad. Or because you looked at my shirt. Because you touched my back. Nobody touched my stuff. Yeah, that's like, what he did in this episode. And it didn't get explained. Everybody was just like... And then the next scene. Yeah, it's like, to me, like, look, if you're going to build a character like this, I think you have to expose that the character does have redeeming qualities, right? Like, this was actually, this sums up perfectly what my problem was with the game Bioshock Infinite. Because the main character is not likable in any way, shape, or form. And I, as the player started going, I want my, I want my player view character to die simply because I can't stand listening to him anymore. But wait, if he dies, I lose the game. So, like, I felt like I was being kept hostage by my own want to play the game. I'm starting to feel like with Andor, I'm being held hostage by my own want to see the plot through. And that's a problem. Okay? And I think the way you solve that is give show us more redeeming qualities of Cassian. Show us give more... qualities. Oh, sorry? Give him qualities. Yeah, like, give him qualities. but no explanation to them. Like, right. his sister is missing? Who is his sister? Yeah. So, in, in one of my videos on my channel, uh, where I do a comparison as to why Solo is obviously better than Rogue One, um, one of the big standouts of Solo that really ties it all together for me is the campfire sequence. And it also helps in shows like Firefly when they're having, you know, sequences where they're around the dinner table eating and sharing. These are the sequences that humanize the characters. This is what makes it relatable. You know, you've been in a situation, whether it's out camping in the woods or whether it's hanging out at a friend's around a fire pit or just having dinner with, with people in general. The point those are the best moments because that's when everybody's like sharing who they are they're opening up this show just took a piss all over that like they had the most awkward and this is like when you're all hanging out around the campfire passing the whiskey jar this is the moment to bond this is the moment to give yourself okay this is why i need to give a shit about this guy when i go into battle there's a reason that, John, you of all people should understand why the Marine Corps puts such a high uh, I- I- high importance on brotherhood and, you know, recognizing that we're all, we all conform to a set of ideas and standards under the uniform. And so I should technically be able to help anyone else who wears a Coast Guard uniform, for example, and it's all good. But right? on top of that, but like, to your point about Firefight. Like, uh, it's Alec Baldwin who gets all the credit for his acting, but if you notice the the younger brother, Adam Baldwin, he, in Firefly, those scenes are where you also have a character make an ass out of themselves. Right. So that the hero can show what mercy and forgiveness looks like. But Andor, what happens when, like, his bag gets snatched, everybody goes, alright, you go take care of yourself, dick. And yeah. that's it. Like there like even the training montage is no training. Yeah. It's just sparring without Yeah, there's no camaraderie. And it's like there's this, no point. This is a story like this section of the story clearly 
was written by somebody with no life experience. <laughs> but has yeah, heard exactly. about life experience. This is how it was when I teamed up with these guys on Battlefront. This is what it was like, man. We didn't have campfire scenes and talk. We, we campfire was where the loading screen was, and then we went and killed people. It's just like it's just like Battlefront. It's like, yeah, you're missing the but point. I can't, I can't write what me and my friends were saying playing Battlefront, so I'll We'll just write it from nah. one guy who was paid to be there. When he said he was paid to be there, that was like the fine, got... the first humanizing moment of the entire like. Right. That was the moment what? they were like, "Oh, this now they're finally bonding." <laughs> okay, I I also think we need to talk about the B story in this with Mon Mothra because it suffers from the exact same problem. I don't know what life experience that the writer has. I think John froze up. Um, oh. I, yeah, oh, because you guys did it on purpose. Nicely done. Oh, that was awesome. But you guys said um, that was humanizing. Literally, it came out of far left field. Like this whole time, he's trying to be Jack Reacher, and then he's just suddenly, yeah, guys, I'm paid. Yeah, like, like dude, yeah, don't just say that you want to be here for your own reasons, and then never elaborate. Yeah, that's called stoicism. Not confessing to make what five yeah. strangers. Yeah, that are yeah. about to go do a terrorist act. Daniel yeah, Larson like... further uh, tempers expectations with the sister means nothing the rest of the show. Sorry, but I feel you need to be informed about this. That's one weak point. Good! We can forget about it. Why even have a broad head? John's going to throw shit around his room, probably. Dude, so um, who's Andor? Just some dickhead in space. Yeah, like, like that's okay. my character in Starfield. I have given no care about anybody. I'm pretending to actually save the constellation so I can steal their plans and jump out of this universe. Yeah, like, I mean, I like... don't feel any love for this show. I don't get like I get it, it's pretty, but <clears throat> yeah, like, really missing you know... things that you expect as a as a viewer, and so that's what we do on this show. We don't, you know. Okay, well, John, I think you're being too harsh, and it's obviously because you're bigoted and and you hate women. That's why you don't I, like actually, Andor. I, Wait, actually, John, actually, I... the women at this show, <laughs> top. What? Very professional, and actually like very good at being like stoic. Yeah, like they're the most manly men I've ever met. Right? Like, no. But what I wanted to bring up with the Mon Mothra piece was. You mean Mon Mothma? Uh, yeah, Mon Mothma. Ugh, Mothra at this point. Um, look, that would be a better show. Um, <laughs> no, right? Senator, but, Senator Mothra. Right. <laughs> Starts but, throwing senators around the room. Oh, this is getting better already. Yeah, I think we like, need to pivot our hypothetical Star Wars again. <laughs> but, like, here's what I'm going to say. Like, this was, again, clearly written by somebody who had a, who had a parents that didn't like each other. Because you can feel it, right? Like, it's the most realistic writing. The problem is, I don't want to be in that. I don't want to watch Mommy and Daddy fight, right? Like, I don't need that in my life. That's too close to home. I need, you know, like, what I need from those characters is I would love it if the father was not on board with the rebellion at all, knew about it, and was desperately trying to talk his wife out, out of it, while the kid is sitting there going like, you know, waffling between the two sides and not sure whose side to take on issues. That would have been much better here than like a family that clearly hates every other member of the family. And we're just watching people get upset at each other. 
or even, one of them is just terrified. Yeah. And like, I, honestly terrified. Like, and that all they're talking about is how much safety they have within the Empire. How much sure. safety the Rebellion will destroy and how chaos will kill their children. Like, parents. Yeah. Know, like, they're going to give them something. Like, one mom is like, I have to save all the children, which is noble and honorable. And then dad's pissed because she's like, not focused on their child. Which is noble and honorable. Yeah, and it's I, like I'd be down those with are two goods going head to head, and that's a conversation I want to know how these people tried to do it. Yeah, like, like outcome I, regardless, whoever wins is noble because both were fighting for nobility. Yeah, like th- this literally feels like a wedding, like a marriage of convenience, like. Somebody like these two got married for political reasons or something like that because they're not in love with each other. They don't care about each other. There's no real relationship there. So because there's no real relationship there, there's no stakes in the relationship. And because there's no stakes, we don't care whether they stay together or fight or do anything because it doesn't matter if mommy and daddy are fighting because we don't care whether mommy and daddy are together by the end of it. This well, is is plot. More than anything, like, we're pissed you brought us into the room. Yeah, like all I'm getting is the last twenty minutes of the arguing. I am not getting the three years of the fighting, talking, debating, arguing, and mutual recrimination that led up to it. And the passion and the love that made them fight, like made the fight worth it. Yeah, like Daniel Larson writes in. Daniel Larson writes in, John's experience is why the viewership was crap. The excellent middle points are surrounded by sloppy, boring bits that drove people away. There's a reason yeah. Mothma was noticeably single in Return of the Jedi. Totally uh, <laughs> concur. I mean, Yeah, I mean, I would have left her too. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, no, there's elements of this show well, that are working, but in episode five, it, it, just, it just didn't. She's single like a true noble warrior is single like i can't not have a family because my family is the cause that's my right. child that's the i'm fighting for all the children so i'm sorry i can't be a mom's mom and that's and fine. Like, like this power to you man go for it I yeah like if she was missing time. if she was missing pta meetings because she's busy overthrowing the empire we could understand that right you know if but if she's like fighting with her husband because her husband just wants to party with his old imperial buddies and she doesn't want to party with imperial buddies because she wants them dead it doesn't work as well well even then like it could work you could literally go like they fell in love early and then she found the light and now the mission is for her to convince him otherwise yeah, and that would work too. Actually, an educated debater, and so we see two opposing forces, like showing the quote-unquote good side of the empire, and we can finally learn something about you know, rather than just being this obvious tyranny. Yeah, you know? it, it's just I don't know. It, it's frustrating because there are good points to this show. This did, ha- this does have potential, but they keep. They keep intentionally throwing the potential to the side in yep. favor of bad writing. Yep. 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 
Alright, I didn't do the homework for this next bit in that I obviously watched the episode of Ahsoka, but what I didn't uh, uh, totally watch uh, was, uh, I guess, some... Well, it doesn't really matter. The, the specific source we don't need to get into because I haven't only heard it from that one source. I've heard it from being brought yeah. up from other people across various areas of the internet. This may come as a shock to you people, but I actually have many, many different circles and many, many different and assets many sources. And, and many sources that I actually scan. It's actually not that hard to build this kind of network. Um, Reddit helps a lot, but it's there's more internet out there than just Twitter and YouTube. Um, and it's, it is, if you truly want to follow uh, information and understand the way the rest of the world thinks, or at least other small parts of it, you definitely want to diversify where you hang out on the net. Um, uh, of course, um, Truth Social is just a political circle shirk, so that yeah, one now, not impressed as with. for the rumors that KK is doing something behind the scenes to torpedo Star Wars, look, if she wanted to torpedo Star Wars, all she would have to do is nothing. Okay, if she wanted Star Wars destroyed, she wouldn't have ha allowed Ahsoka to be released in the first place. Now, why did it get released? Well, it seems to me that she doesn't have the control that people think she does right now. And if it's if she's working through another actor, look, there were rumors flying for what three or four months that John and Dave were not getting along and not working together. Well, if that's the case, how did this show get made in the first place? So there are the arguments that I have seen in regard to Filoni intentionally trying to sabotage Star Wars and cost himself a job and all of this stuff. Let me ask you this. What is more likely? The people who actually want to make good Star Wars are now finally in the position to do so. And the people that have been making terrible Star Wars are throwing any rumor they possibly can out there to paid sources to attempt to destroy the good Star Wars so that they can keep making the bad. Or that it's all just bad Star Wars and we shouldn't be watching it at all. Which... Which sounds like a more realistic Yeah, so before we, before we actually get some answers on that, or if people want to answer to Corio, please do, but I'm going to go ahead and, and give my two cents on it. So the first thing we need to understand is the whole Kathleen Kennedy being on some uh, progressive woke crusade is uh, entirely a fabrication. Um, I say that because looking at the overall quality of the sequels and Indiana Jones and the Dial of uh, disappointment. It's pretty clear that uh, Kennedy's goal with Star Wars or with Lucasfilm was simply to put herself first and get herself on everything, um, and doing it by no by any means. So yes, she is still a bad person for how badly she wanted to be the center of attention and how much she was willing to destroy in that regard to get it, but to articulate and to willfully say whether it's a rumor or not that she is some kind of woke super genius mastermind is ludicrous um that's not at all how hollywood has ever operated hollywood operates on ego hollywood operates on on i want to put my face or my name up there 
you know, the reason why they slap Weinstein brothers or whatever on their, on their logo is because they want their name plastered places. That's all they've ever cared about is your attention, good or bad. They don't give a shit about culture. They don't give a shit about uh, purity of canon. Uh, ultimately, what it comes down to is money and fame. And you know what? There's a place where that can actually function in all of this, and it has before. We just... That's a discussion for another time. The point that I'm trying to get to is that Kathleen Kennedy is just a crazy woman with an obsession with being popular and wanting to be mentioned everywhere. She probably watched our streams, if she even did, and laughed at every single word because it didn't matter to her. It was all about us talking about her. I think at worst, the Star Wars Lucasfilm Civil War was Kathleen and her loyalists waging a war against Favreau, who was waging a one-man war against her in return. Dave Filoni has probably been on this secret Ultimate Crusade mission to make Star Wars. I know. Big, mind-blowing, just crazy, universe-shattering revelation there, but his whole goal this entire time has been to make good Star Wars. Now, you might not think it's good. That's okay. You might not like all of it, but ultimately, Filoni, at the end of the day, he doesn't belong to anybody except his love of Star Wars. Filoni is a fan of Star Wars. You may not agree with how he interprets Star Wars and wants to do Star Wars. That's okay. George Lucas, however, does. And that's that. So there really isn't any point to arguing it besides just general critique of story and saying this stuff. And if you like other stories better, that's fine. I'm of the belief that all of it should be canon and that the Star Wars multiverse should be embraced and that, you know what, at this point, people should be able to take some of their favorite Star Wars properties, have the opportunity to say, hey, I would like to make this into a live-action series, <clears throat> KOTOR, and that is how we can try to get more fan products out there, that's how we can just diversify it and we can go to new galaxies and we can spread the universe far and wide. I think that's what Filoni's probably always wanted to give everybody, but it just hasn't been able to happen because somebody just wanted to put her face on everything and be the hero. And that's that's really yeah. what it comes down to. So and, um, before I respond, I want to give Daniel Larson a quick, uh, quick, uh, yeah, give him some airtime by reading his comments. Sorry. Brain malfunction, yeah. secondly. Uh, but, but, but Ahsoka is a girl boss that means she's going to replace Luke or something, and that's totally a forces female plan that KK would do. You guys are just playing the woke Disney winky face. Yeah, that's, that's it. We're shills for Disney. You got us, Daniel Larson. We're not actually shills for Disney. Um, God damn it. I didn't know that I was a shill. I know. Oh, we've been not found again. out, guys. Proven for the... Yeah, our whole... Yeah. Our slow buildup of 351 subscribers over a year and a half has been I, been stopped. Daniel Larson got us. Uh, and, like and, you know, then I guess those massive paychecks that, you know, clearly show given that we're all driving Ferraris. I know, so yeah, yeah. Them, yeah, right? let me go show I you like my Silverado with a big fucking dent in the side. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to take this time to apologize. I have been shilling for Ahsoka as a girl boss. Even though I was about to rip into this episode too. <laughs> Fair. I mean, all right. Look, and then hold on. Me... Daniel Larson says, uh, "I can believe KK genuinely likes woke feminist takes on Star Wars. I would sure. actually agree with that. Yeah, and would greenlight things like Acolyte or redoing the original trilogy with Leia instead of Luke. But a plan B to Acolyte? Come on. Um, exactly. 
Yeah, and it's, yeah, she definitely, like I said, she she just was one, she wanted to be the center of attention. That's all it came down to. It was just powered, it was all fame, and it was all, all, it's all the limelight crap. It, it had nothing to yeah. do with... Look, if Ahsoka was going to be KK's true weapon, then at some point during this episode, it would be, reve- like, you know, Ahsoka would take her mask off and reveal she's actually a British brunette. Right. Um... Because that's what she, that's what KK does every time she wants somebody to be super powerful is a self-insert character. Ahsoka yeah. isn't a self-insert. Da- and Daniel Larson, honestly, to for the win to really cap off this discussion, unless uh, John, you want to add anything, of course. But I'll just say, Filoni is da- is as dangerous to Star Wars as Lucas is. Anyone saying otherwise is trying to make hay with angry pessimist fans of Disney Doomers. Actually, you know what? I will add something to that. It, it, once KK is gone. Where's the boogeyman? The boogeyman's gone. Once the boogeyman's gone, who do we need to hate to keep getting our rage clicks? Obviously, Filoni, because he's a plant the whole time or something. Now, I don't know if the people putting out the information specifically believe that. Maybe they're just reporting what their sources say. But I think you need to consider what your sources are trying to intend. And uh, they probably don't have the best interest for you right now. Um, because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the only way to end this discussion is, look... You can't be angry all the time. You can't hate all the time. No. At some point, it you know, like I said, it can't rain all the time. At some point, the sun's got to come out. Yeah. And if you're not willing to see the sun come out, dude, what are you even doing? But at the same time, like, if you're always going to be angry about everything, nobody wants to hang out with this man. Like... For us, for me personally, everything that you'll hear me rant about, I do have an end game. And if you're curious, feel free to ask. Like when it comes to strikes, when it comes to, you know, reprimanding those that deserve to be reprimanded, I actually do have an end goal. And and it's continuous process improvement. I believe that all writing has only been an improvement on all writing. And whether it's to teach us how not to write, see most of the modern Star Wars, or how to write, see most of the Apple fiction catalog. Nemesis of Eden writes in, El Camino. Hey, Nemesis of Eden, welcome back. Good to see you. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, so let's move into what people are currently watching Ahsoka episode six with our, uh, non-spoiler quick got a non-spoiler overview so for me solid seven episode uh absolutely worth the time a lot of good world building in this took place a lot of shifting of direction as to where the the actual sequels that we should have been getting this whole time are going to now be taking us whether or not it erases the sequel trilogy we'll save that for the back end of the ahsoka discussion uh but corio why don't you go ahead you know what i am I really enjoyed this episode. Um, look, we needed this kind of break from the pace, the way we got it here. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would also say that we got to get the character development we truly needed from the right places. It was excellent the the appearances that we got i'm 
a very, very big fan of the artwork, of the lighting, of the style here. I do think that the music was not as profound as it needed to be here. But I do think that they did a very solid job of building up the character development for our main character and several of those um uh several of the side characters and yeah the f- the cinematography here was so on point it was amazing i was very very impressed by the cinematography work here yeah somebody deserves a raise all right john go ahead non spoiler Bored again. You were bored, bored again? again? Okay. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I did start with Ahsoka and then got to Andor second, but uh, I mean, Ahsoka was the thing that really just. I, I'm tired of MacGuffins and I'm tired of people like not caring about the universe. Like, there are so many rules to Star Wars that makes everything about the the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy matter that like when you add in all this freaking I dude it's Studio Ghibli what's going on man where's your magic system is it soft is it hard is it real is it fake is it does it matter? Do you care about good writing or you? Yeah. So first, now we'll go to spoiler alert. Um, yeah, this is now, I knew this was going to happen. I just didn't want to accept it until we got to this point. So the veil of the force is throwing a lot of people through a loop because they have no idea what it is. Now, of course, there's two types of Star Wars fans. There's the fans that are just confused and angry because of it. Hey, I get it. I understand. And then there's the fans trying to push narrative that it's more of the same. It's not more of the same. Ahsoka and Sabine have gotten their asses kicked in this series. It's There's no girl power. It's not girl bosses. Y'all are wrong. Um, and I'm just going to say it straight up. So, actually, I, I would even argue that the, um, uh, God, the, the Twi'lek. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Hera. Hera. Hera got her ass kicked, too, politically. Yeah. Like... Every girl boss here, or every quote-unquote girl boss, well, just got whooped. Before the third episode, when we saw her son, someone was like, oh, these women, they're just stoic, they don't have any children, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, that's aged very well, since now we've seen that Hera has a child, so she's a single mom and a general. Oh, no wonder they don't like her, they're insecure. Um, and then, of course, we have Ahsoka now taking on Sabine as a, uh, you know, as a master, and they're having a master trainer, Relationship, so I wouldn't hardly. No, it's not biological parenting, but that's the thing about parenting. Parenting's parenting. There's two different things. Just because you have children from your loins doesn't mean you're a good parent by default. So it's uh, yeah. (laughs) Actually, most of uh, well, that's not for me to get into it. Yo, Guardians of the Galaxy two, see it exactly. No, it's great. Guardians, all the Guardians movies are amazing. But the thing is. This show is suffering because of context and lack thereof. 
And so people, uh, you know, they don't, if you don't know what the world between worlds is, then you don't understand. But we do need to establish some facts. John, you, what you said earlier is actually not true. The only hard rule that Star Wars ever technically had established by George Lucas was that um, fans could write whatever they wanted as long as it didn't interfere with the original trilogy. And of course, Star Wars Infinities was an alternate version of the original trilogy, so that was its own universe. And so technically, there have never really been hard rules to begin with. That's that's So that's one thing we got to understand. But that There's said... There's a lot of soft. Filoni does actually do stick by his rules. I don't agree with his uh, suggestion that the Veil of the Force or the World Between Worlds isn't time travel. To have a future character save a character from a past event, that is using time travel. Now, if they don't do anything beyond that, fine. I don't care. I'm not... It, it's, it's not a problem for me. Time travel was inevitable in Star Wars. There's no getting around it. Eventually, large IPs get to a point. Like, you know, I honestly thought that Marvel wasn't going to go that way. And they literally had something called the Time Stone. But I was like, all right, keep the time travel shit contained to Doctor Strange. Oh, okay, in-game's using it. All right, well, that was fun while it lasted. Um... So, I get it. Time travel can definitely ruin universes. I certainly don't want to see any time travel in uh, Lord of the Rings, ever. Um, but, at the same time, we, we, don't have, we don't have control of the universe. And so, what the World Between Worlds did in this episode, I think was the most perfect and inoffensive use that they could have come up with. I am of the belief that that was Anakin. Absolutely. Fully realized, fully understood, both embracing both sides but he has such control over his anger that he's able to control Vader at will. And so, yes, he sicks Vader on Ahsoka one more time, but it's a training moment. That's why he doesn't finish her off. And no, Anakin didn't... It's a teachable moment. It's a teachable fight. He, Anakin would have... Anakin doesn't even have to actually fight her. He could probably snap his fingers and use force power to... You're vapor it. You're, you're force water now. And that's that. So... They, they definitely, and, and this is, I was okay with this because Filoni took, went this far in Clone Wars when he went into one of those nether regions of the Force and decided to explore that. And there was a lot of cool shit that I thought was established there too, but I'm also a spiritualist, so I can relate to it. And then of course, there's uh, in Rebels when they continued on, continued it where we brought the world between worlds in. So I think what, what probably, probably needs to happen is... Some of the Rebels content is going to probably need to be adapted to live action. And I know there's people talking about a live action Clone Wars show, and I'm like, that, you know, just serves nostalgia. But then I'm like, there are there are people out there who refuse to watch animated shows. And while I think it's personally ridiculous, at the same time, if there's an opportunity to bring them these stories that we've all enjoyed, I'd rather we go that route. And plus, Hayden Christensen fit right in as a, a live action animated Anakin. I, I absolutely yeah, enjoyed it. Not just job. not just for the nostalgia, but it was like that was that moment was a way to bridge the two versions of the character that that was probably done that only that Hayden could probably do on screen. Because now we don't feel as as jarring, you know, having a different voice on both him and then of course Obi Wan's had the same, you know, voice actor typically. Well except for that bad Obi Wan game. But anyway yeah. You know, I, and I will also say this, for those who kind of didn't understand what was going on there. Throughout Clone Wars, um, 
Ahsoka went through all the trials for of the Jedi, except one, which was to be tempted by the dark side and walk away from it. That was the lesson that played out here. And that was very, very well done. And for those that didn't catch that, and that that was the final lesson, man, I feel sorry for you guys, because that was really phenomenally done. And the fact that Ahsoka was allowed to touch the dark side, we saw it in that flash of moment where her eyes go red, but then she stops, puts down the weapons, like Luke did, and says, no, I'm not going to do this. That's the appropriate answer. That is why she succeeded. And it's why Luke succeeded at the end eventually, too. And you know what? I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. I think that also having Hera's son be in touch with the Force and for the the droid to realize it and be like, look, he's special, right? Like, don't, you know, like, you got to understand that piece. You know, that was really well done. Look, this was a solid maneuver by them. Do I think the audio was off on it? Yeah, I do. I think they dropped the ball on this a little bit. And I think that possibly the searching around, trying to figure out where the hell she is piece was or run a little long. Yeah. But the whale part I thought was dope. Right. Um, the, them trying to screw around and buy time uh, at the, with the uh, guys that came to go drag them back was hilarious. Right. I think it all came together very nicely and we found a way to move the plot forward. This was pretty solidly done and it does open up the world between worlds to later use, which ultimately I think we needed. It's very obvious that this was a, uh, a Switzerland season. Um, Filoni just told a story and has obviously got a, plenty of directions that he could take it in. But don't expect resolution by the end of this. This is eight episodes. We've got, you know, three episodes, including tonight's, left. So we're almost done. Uh, and then from where it goes from there, I, I don't know. I, I think that they're waiting to announce KK's fate after the strike ends. Because if they say that they're changing up leadership, then, you know, when there's no money being made... Mid-strike, that's, yeah. Uh, that's just not, you know... It, Bob's dumb, but he's clearly not that dumb. Um, of course, at the same time, if you generated interest, could have gambled the interest in numbers of streaming, and that might have been enough to kick negotiations a little harder. I don't know. Either way, uh, what's done is done. We're here where we are now. And, uh, yeah, so uh, let's see. Daniel Larson uh, writes in. Let's see, where were we with Dan? I think we said, uh, did anybody catch when Ahsoka says, I won't fight you? Anakin says, I've heard that before. Yes, I did. That was that was very... I also noticed, so we've had, throughout the show, we've had four uh, subtle repudiations of the sequel trilogy. The first, very obvious with Ahsoka having to be picked up while floating out in space. She didn't use the face, uh, the force Mary Poppins maneuver. She, she had to get picked up like a normal person would have. 
I mean, at the very least, I could have bought Leia creating a force shield because, well, I play SWOTOR, so that's a power I'm familiar with. And, you know, getting picked up by somebody else, or that, that would have been more believable. But whatever, it is what it is. So we've had that. Uh, the second one was retconning the Holdo Maneuver. I'm sorry, but just because there was no mass on the center of the ship, I, I don't buy that when it all hyper-accelerated ahead that the space in front of it wouldn't have been distorted and completely obliterated Hera and those X-Wings. Um, I think that was obviously safe. And, and it doesn't, the Holdo Maneuver doesn't make sense because as they start hyper-accelerating, you're going to start phasing out of what we perceive as normal space. And so... Holdo should have really just gone to hyperspace and maybe abruptly disrupted some panels on the ships. But yeah, that, that, yeah. I mean like the shockwave of them opening a rift into hyperspace could have done something. It, it, it was, wouldn't have destroyed her ship too. Right. And it was literally because, well, the person writing that movie had no idea what he was doing. It's just trying to subvert your expectations into trying to subvert your intelligence. Didn't work though. Um, Daniel Larson says, also, last I heard, KK surrendered. Well, that would be news to me. Um, I certainly, uh, it, it sounds like she's been window-seated effectively for now. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, she, she's probably given up in the regard that, yeah, she'll just do a little crazy, what silly tasks they make her do. Um, yeah, like, if the rumors are true, then yes, she did effectively surrender. Or was surrendered, I guess, is more of a, yeah. you know. Like, she was voluntold to surrender, I guess would be the more accurate description, if the rumors are true. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, moving into the general discussion. Um, I think that as far as our show goes, the plot will definitely have to, will probably want to... <laughs> ironically enough, probably incorporate use of the world between worlds. And maybe this is why, you know, maybe this story can be why it's a little known device that gets, you know, put on ice until later on when we bring it up in Rebels. Um, that could be an interesting plot. I think we were talking about having a couple of uh, a couple of I brothers start at the plot. I mean, we want to touch on why we need a plot or why we don't need a plot because plots. Okay, are for... so let's let's actually do a quick little recap on what we had in mind so far. So we had these two brothers crash on a planet and have to learn the Force effectively to survive. And then the last time we Jack Sparrow, had... they got marooned or marooned. The okay, they they are down on this planet. And they need to use the force to survive. The uh, we then have a group show up that they teach how to survive on the planet. Um, if we're going to use the world between worlds, I would argue that the only acceptable use for it would be that they wind up using it to cause them to be marooned on the planet. And that's why they filling. <laughs> and, and that's why they don't use it any further and don't mention it because they're worried that somebody else will get themselves stuck in a paradox like that again. That has potential. Paradox episodes usually do help instantiate rules. Right. And it 
it self-contains it, so we're not seeing this happen again and again and again. So there's the so conflict. It doesn't become a crutch. Hold on. There's the conflict. It's it's the two brothers, or I I would almost want to make it a crew thing. I think an, I like ensemble cast stories myself. That's probably why I love Star Trek so much, and why I could only limit myself to three main characters in my book. Um, it's I think that um, we could have an ensemble, but either way, so like one of the brothers is like, "You were in the engine room. You marooned us here. You're the one that brought us down." And it's like I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. And they, like, put him through the lie detector stuff or whatever and try to, like, make sure he's telling the truth. And it's like, he's telling the truth. He didn't sabotage. I saw him sabotage the ship, though. Turns out it's his future self that sets that into motion. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah. Jonathan G94 says, latest song episode was good. Not as huge a banger as last week's. All right. Well, uh, good to temper Then we've got I something guess. to look forward to. I'm looking forward to that. At least it doesn't suck. Hopefully, yeah. Andor episode six is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, good, yeah, like good. I said, I, I think if we're going to use it, right, we should use it, though, um, as a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, that way we close the loop on it, and it... Because ultimately what I want to do is I want to make sure that anything we're going to use, the reason why, you know, like, Yoda didn't know about it and go like, oh, f you know, like... You know, because, like, we completely destroy the original trilogy. And, you know, like, if in the prequels, at the end of the prequels, Yoda is able to be like, oh, fuck, man, we just got our asses kicked. Oh, I know, I'll just go back in time and undo it, right? Because then it becomes the, the solution to every problem. But if it's intentionally hidden lore, like, if it's intentionally, like, no, we gotta erase all records of this thing because it can cause too, it's too dangerous a tool for anyone to have in their toolbox, then it makes sense. Right. And it makes sense why we're just rediscovering it again and why, you know, it's very going to be used very sparingly down the road. Right. Anything that we, they, we develop for this, that is, you know, too MacGuffin-y, we should be eliminating in a, okay, no, 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 we can't pass that knowledge on. Which to me, isn't that hard. I think like, even Family Guy nailed it. There's the episode, like, maybe two episodes into Stewie using uh, time travel, where they go back to one of the first episodes, and you have, like, 18 tries at fixing the problem without fixing the issue. And then at the very end, Stewie just kills himself. And just starts where he's at. He's like, I'm going to keep all the information. I'll just yeah. go back to his timeline. And to me, it's like... That's what you, we should do. If we are going to use the Veil of the Force, what we should do is we should make it so chaotic, so grotesque, like everything, everywhere, all at once, that we then are done with it. Like, the reason why it worked in Ahsoka was an accident. The reason yeah. it worked in Rebels was an accident. And therefore, the chaos and the Force are given their authority again. Like, the part of, like, to me, I think this is the saddest part about what you all missed on Ahsoka, because this is actually, like, the only part that I really liked. We didn't see fake Anakin. We saw Daddy Anakin. Yeah. Not Master Anakin. Not Snips' father figure, Anakin. No, we saw 
Anakin who woke up after his son whooped his ass. Yep. That was saw the guy who was Anakin. coaching Snips. That was the guy who knew what he was doing when he pushed her to the dark side and pulled back. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on, John. Are you saying, are you suggesting that the whole reason that Ahsoka gets her training the way she does in the Veil of the Force is because of the heroic actions of Luke Skywalker? No, dude, I'm a shill. Good <laughs> <laughs> answer. Dude, yeah. bomber <laughs> answer. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? What, an hour no, 33? That's, that's, that's like the story is is when it comes to, like, that's the part that I feel like Dave Filoni, and, and, and honestly, I just think that, like, most of these big guys are just afraid of is, like, you got to have a breaker. You've got to have an episode that goes, you guys really like time travel. You think that's a cure-all? Like, Back to the Future, the whole series was literally time travel will never cure your problems. The only thing that will is self-discipline. That's what Star Wars was always about. The difference between the light side and the dark side is discipline. Independent, individual desire to be better than how easy it is to be that bad. That's all it ever was. To me, that's the strong, the hard magic system. You're not a dark side guy because the world was tough. You're a dark side guy because you caved. You're a dark side guy because you're actually a weak POS. And that's your problem that you need to handle. And that's what, like, when Anakin and Obi-Wan were fighting, Obi-Wan is saying, Anakin, you idiot. Get your head out of your butt. Yep. And Anakin's saying, what are you talking about? It looks great in here. And, And that's the fight. Because that's truly the difference between a good person for goodness sake and a good person because society demands it. Palpatine literally was president of the galaxy, an elected official, the epitome of good for the society's sake. And what did he do? He became a tyrant because of darkness, because of how easy that power corrupts versus what we got like what we're getting with Ahsoka even like we're getting close but like the sequel trilogy it was no Kylo fell because his master was a dick no Kylo should have sought a new master and we should have learned about gray Jedi that should have been what Ray was looking for was looking for Kylo, who's supposedly this master who figured out how to do it by himself. And then she meets him and he's like, No, my master Luke just got scared of me and I've been eyeballing it ever since. And we find two confused individuals, which is what I think our show should be. So if we ever mess with the veil of the force, if we're ever going to mess with time travel, We obliterate time travel. We back to the future it. We make it so that no fan ever goes, yeah, that's a great way to solve the plot. Yeah, so I'm thinking that the origins of this do in fact need to be the, the explanation, the deep dive explanation of, oh, we could actually use this show to go into the Star Wars multiverse. The planet 
is the center of the veil of the force and it's their dreams so they keep playing out their future when they go to sleep and we see them dealing with it because to me with the veil of the force even like what Ahsoka was teaching it is it is the ethereal it's the quote-unquote heaven where you can see all time and technically if you have the force and the mastery of the force you can interact with time and yes yeah. we get time travel also real quick. in reality like what the veil is is like what if you had control over your dreams because the planet actually brought you to to like inception plane oh dude no i got it that isn't the planet they're on that is what the two of them become at the end Bro, and that's why they are okay with the just constant fight of the light and the dark. Is because they both finally... Oh, bro. Hero's journey, but it's more along Buddha's journey. Yeah. So they both achieve force enlightenment and they meet on this plane. While they're right at odds. Like, right? They're both generals of opposing forces. And that's where we get the true yin and the yang. It's like one is the white within the black and one is the black within the white. And when they it, it achieve enlightenment, they both wake up on the plane between. And they're like, what are you doing to me? Just like how Ray and Kylo were doing it, but way better because they both know that this was possible. They just didn't know they could do it on accident. And so then we get this huge ethereal war between worlds fight and then when the fight like when they finally come back to their bodies everything just ends all the troops just walk away and that's where we leave the whole end of season one is what did they say that ended the fight without the final fight maybe the final fight is what we're watching play out in the in the trill like in the Star Wars mainline story, right? Exactly. These guys are the wills. These guys are the the force that's moving the the force that's moving the forces around, right? They're playing chess indefinitely. And oh dude. They go into the Enlightenment and never come out. And the warriors just keep asking them, Sir, do we attack? Do we attack? For days, for years, for centuries, for... Wait, are we still fighting? And these two have not woken up. Yeah, like... Exactly like, is... how you start the force. The calls. Who's the voice? Who's the voice of the dark side? One of the brothers. Who's the voice of the light side? One of the brothers. Who's right? Neither. Nobody. You need both. You need light to have dark. You need dark to have light. You can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So our so we can do the theme is is the Jedi's enlightenment or or the force enlightenment. Well... Well, I definitely want to get clear separation between the Jedi philosophy and the Jedi religion. 
Absolutely. And I wanna, they, well, that's where I want to get the source. Like, I want those books that we see just burned up. I want those written. That's what I yeah. want our series to be is the writings incepted. And then from there, we see the dark side is just the religion of the books. To me. Writer's room, obviously, we say what we all feel. But that, that to me is like, like, what is religion if not the well, legal enforcement of belief? Well, you, you guys have heard my my whole argument on religion and how it's structured and sponsored, right? You have the initial idea. And then you have people, like, which is usually something along the lines of try to be nice to each other, even though people are jerks to you sometimes. And then everyone starts defining how to be nice, right? We can have that play out as part of our plot line, right? That these are the guys that sat down and they're the, the, the messianic figures of the force or the modern force religions. And then we have the schism between the two brothers and it plays out like a, a, you know, Magneto and Professor X or a, you know, um, you know, a, 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 you know, these two diametrically opposed sides that neither are technically wrong, but neither are also technically correct either. And as time goes on, more dogma is built up, more um, rigid they both get in their belief until the original thought process, the original concept of, look, let's just be nice to each other. Like, let's let's try to, you know, let's do things right by each other gets lost along the way. We watch as spirituality becomes religion, becomes dogma, becomes rigid adherence to, to rules, yeah. as opposed to what it was originally, which is spirituality. Yeah. Jonathan G94 writes in, I think Anakin is the guardian of the force, similar to Aslan's role in Chronicles of Narnia. The world between worlds was based on the wood between worlds in C.S. Lewis's mythology. Interesting, because yeah. I felt that that was more like the plane from the Great Divorce, but that was just me. Uh, that is just I, I, a sci-fi comparison the... similar to Q in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan 94, I highly recommend you read up in Alchemy on the concept of the infinite corridor which is where C.S. Lewis got his idea and really the original idea got codified. So check it out. But yeah. to me, again, I don't think, like, I don't think Anakin isn't Anakin. Like what are force ghosts? Oh no, I, I'm saying yeah. Anakin is Anakin, but what I'm saying is he has become more. Oh yeah. No, that's what I'm saying is he's not like, okay. who is he tied to? Ahsoka. Who's just so yeah. good tied to her master, and that was what the whole episode said. Like, I, I, I feel like you would obliterate this series if Ezra signed again. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Then, then he's Aslan. Then, but then he's he's a a, a human made god, which, but and it works in other literary devices. But like the way I love this episode, it pours are like the parts that I did like is the fact that Anakin isn't. Anakin in episode three. He isn't Anakin before Luke. He's Anakin after everything Anakin's been through for the first time ever. 
literally we've gotten one scene where Aiden Christensen played Luke's dad. And that was the edit of the prequel original trilogy. Of the original trilogy. And that's in episode six where they edited in Luke or Anakin instead of Darth Vader. And that's the only time we've ever seen Hayden Christensen play Daddy Anakin until now. And I mean, when you like, I was like hating on Andor's for its like dialogue, and, and I'll hate on Ahsoka too because everything except for the Anakin snip scene, Anakin talks to snips exactly like he was told to an older brother who had a kid mm-hmm. not not an older brother who's talking to his younger sister an older brother who had a kid talking to his younger sister saying no i was way wrong i did not realize how to raise you until i met my adult son and realized I could have been a lot cooler. I could have been a lot calmer. I could have told you everything that was going on, but I didn't know that until I met my son. And that was the voice of Hayden Christian in this episode. And but that to me is like that's the part of Star Wars that's being butchered. Star Wars is those horribly boring, archaic man's man adult adult stories how to be an adult Not, when everything no. including all well hear me out hear me out when when everything is in your way when you feel like you have a bigger destiny and you decide to take yourself on that journey i.e luke i.e anakin i.e obi-wan is the abyss wins or the abyss loses and that's what Star Wars was always trying to tell us. And, and, and I feel like even in Ahsoka, like, Ahsoka passed the abyss a long time ago. Like, when she abandoned the Jedi right before Order 66, that was her abyss. And, and I think this one should have been better where, like, I don't know, I feel like Ahsoka should have took that to Anakin. Like, I, I told you. I told you you could have been better, but you fought me. And, and instead, we get this. Okay, she is Obi Wan. Hmm. But all right, that's taking it for me. That's going from like a five to a seven. You want to, you want, you hit emotional resonance. You cut the heart, and then you suture the wound, and you make me feel better for having been stabbed. That's the W, versus. Yeah. All right, that was a good game. Yeah. Was there. yeah. Daniel Larson right. writes in, I'd argue Anakin was a vision of Ahsoka's dream. I don't think he's in the world between worlds. Uh, I don't agree, but I've already said my piece on it. Uh, Jonathan G94 says, the fact that Anakin said, I've heard that before in response to Ahsoka, which can only be a reference to his fight with Luke in the, uh, or in the dark side, or in the DS means that, or it means it was all real. Ahsoka could have heard from Luke about that fight, but I also think this was ambiguous enough to go either way. And then Jonathan G94 responds, I do love how Anakin took that kid with face with stride. And that's just it, Daniel Larson, yeah. you're right. Even with what little we've seen of the Veil of the Force, this is still ambiguous enough to go any direction 
There's no hard line that's been confirmed one way or the other. But that's what I prefer in spiritual interpretation of, of, of stories. I don't want super hard rules. I like our idea of using the Veil of the Force to explain why it needs to be contained by taking the opportunity to validate various multiverses in whatever way we want to, because KOTOR's canon, I don't care what anyone says. Um, and then from there, uh, yeah, we can continue to go into these different spiritual ideas, but I don't think that we should ever, at any point, necessarily lock anything down into a hard rule. Because the thing is, when it comes to spirituality, things can change very, well, seemingly easy, I guess. Depends on your perspective. Um, but yeah, uh, John of the G94 clarifies Death Star. Oh, right, yeah, in, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I think that he was actually Anakin. And yes, I think that he is, but that's, that's, he's already been, he's already moved on beyond this existence. He won't, if he were to go back to, with Ahsoka, to Ahsoka's reality, he would be a ghost. Yeah. Uh, All right, so opinion. shall we move on to D DS9? Yes, yes, we got to do DS9, and then uh, and then we'll, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll boogie. Lost track of time here. So quickly, switching to DS9, uh, Season 4. John, you did DS9 this week, right? I'm going to be honest, I did not. <laughs> right, doing as much homework as I can. All right. Well, uh, you missed a banger on this yeah, one. Yeah, so we'll have to save it for next week. Now, I'll, I'll have to. Uh, okay. I'll have to adjust the title. All right. We'll uh, we'll just have to stretch something out in the in the end, I guess. Unless we want to talk more Star Wars. Well, we we could talk about Gil. All right. Yeah, we we can go ahead and we can talk about Gil. Dahlia Light says, "Yo, all, yo, Dahlia Light would uh, good to see you." Hey, Dahlia. If you've followed us since the beginning. Uh, you know that how we treat death is just as important as how we treat life. Um, that, that's not just a funny line in Star Trek. It's actually the truth of existence, and at least it's meant a lot to me in my existence. And um, I'm only 32 years old, and I'm really getting tired of saying it and having these these pages, whether it's uh, stars that we remember that, that showed up in properties that affected our lives growing up, or whether it's family and friends or fellow YouTubers that we knew, uh, we definitely, we, we try to make it a point to remember them. Um, I, however, did not know Gil as well, personally. The opportunity never came up. I think I only followed him because you, Corion, did show up on his show, so I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to you for now, uh, to talk sure. for a little bit, and, uh, take all the time you need. So, look, um, for those who don't know, Cardinal Sin was... I would argue one of the guys who was an up and comer right around that perfect time when YouTube was becoming really, really big. Like it, it was already big, but then it got bigger. And he was one of those guys that, that was hitting at just the right time. He ran a paranormal show along with a few other shows that, that he did. And Gil was one of all those guys, though, that went out of his way to support other YouTubers uh, with as much information and as much mentorship and gifting as he possibly could. He would show up on other channels just to throw super chats at them so that they knew that there was somebody in the uh, in the back there that loved to, to see them and, and wanted them to grow. 
Uh, I first met him on another channel. We were kind of getting together. I was this, uh, you know, I wasn't quite yet the witch in residence. I, I was more like the, the, the intern witch, if you will, at the very beginning. And when I was out there, Gil would make a point to, to welcome me, to make sure I was having a good time, to chat with me a little bit about whatever we were discussing on whatever show. And the dude was an absolute brother, uh, friend, you know, at times mentor. Um, whenever I had something paranormal that I could help him with or, or he wanted to chat about, he would bring me on. He's actually the reason, one of the major reasons why I started the Rogue Council, because he said, hey, man, you're a natural at this. You got to get your own stuff together and get it going out there. And so, you know, I've got a lot of respect and a lot of really good well wishes to the man. He was fantastic. He's, he was just, he was a great person. And I loved the fact that he was always willing to talk, always willing to listen. And it didn't matter where you, your politics were or where your feelings on the stuff he covered on his channel were, he'd have a discussion with you. He'd have a debate with you. You know, granted, sometimes, uh, you know, he'd get a little surly when he'd hit the sauce, but I mean, hey, we all do. And every time I talked to him, it was a class act with him. Um, he treated, he always treated me with respect, and I always did the same for him. And... We just, we had a rocking time, and I know I'm going to miss the man. Uh, I'm going to miss him a lot. Uh, when I heard that he had passed, I think I sat in complete and total shock for a good long while because I couldn't believe it. This was a dude who was so vital and so full of life. And to see him just gone, it was, it was absolutely hard-hitting. I know there are a lot of people out there who, upon getting the news, were able to react right away and stand up and do something for them. And to those people, thank you for doing it. I just, I couldn't because I couldn't believe that the universe had lost such a titan. And, you know, to this day, I'm still, I'm still pretty shocked and still pretty sad about it. And, uh, you know, Gil, um, wherever you are, whatever you're doing now, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the hallowed hills of Valhalla or, uh, you know, the void, I salute you, sir. You know, um, may your journey be one of amazement. Yeah, no, I've uh, I've only heard good things. I mean, from from other people who, who knew him, and uh, it's uh, I'm kind of bummed I didn't get that opportunity. Uh, it is what mm -hmm. it is. Unfortunately, though, I'm I, for those of you that do know my tragic backstory, I'm no stranger to loss. Um, Daniel Larson says, uh, "Rest in peace, Cardinal Sin." Reminds us all not to take our days for granted and to look after what's most important, as well as nerding out over fun, trivial stuff. Exactly, oh, 100% yeah. agree. And that goes back to what I was trying to say earlier. It, you know, the most precious resource we have is our time. And I'm not trying to politically grandstand or anything like that because it's just the honest to God, hard hitting truth. There is nothing more valuable than the time that you get. I mean, how, how old was he again, Corio? Uh, if, if 
in clear. He was in his fifties. In his fifties. I mean, my mother passed away at forty-seven from cancer, and or, excuse me, John and I's mother. Um, not to exclude him. It's it's just it's one of the reasons I do this show. Honestly, it is because I care about life so much, and I want to promote life, and that's why we want to mostly focus on honest critique not always hating things to hate them and if we don't enjoy something we move on from it or the other panelists drop from those discussions because i'm not going to force people to sit through something they're not enjoying um it's just and of course at the same time i'm not afraid to go through something else if i'm not enjoying something i'll still trudge it out too that's that's how the give and take works um but anyway that's what i'm saying is is like it's I'm, I'm grateful for the time that Cardinal Saint gave the world. And his his channel, you know, wasn't the biggest channel in the world, but he's got, what, 571 videos uh, yep. to go through. Stuff that, that I, I liked what I saw when I watched him. Uh, I thought it was a, a very, like, more, I guess you could call him a more accessible George Nori and didn't seem to hold any grudges, but, I mean... It just didn't afford me the time and opportunity, and, it, and it's it's sad. But I, I, to those of you that did know him better, I am so sorry, and I understand completely. Like in the sense that I've experienced my own losses with people that that mattered, and it really is a bummer to hear all these these great praises about someone like this, and and, and to go, you know, we should have gotten. He deserved more years. Obviously, he seemed to love life and love people, and and it's really too bad. Uh, that but you know what if that's how people what people are saying then there's that you made a good impression for the time that you were here so that sounds like a full life lived even though and even though i feel that he deserved more years um dahlia lightwood says condolences to all who knew him did not follow him but i'm sad to hear he is gone yep exactly and that's that's yeah, yeah. and you know we're there are members of his friend like his peer group that are are trying to get uh access to be able to control his channel so that it can remain up as a memorial to him for the for the you know long-term future and i can't think of a better way to honor his memory than occasionally going back and and doing a rewatch on some of his his fun videos yeah absolutely and that's that's one of the reasons why i wanted to put the channel banner specifically up there is like yeah let's not this is this is someone's life now that we can actually like like what an interesting opportunity this is that you know you don't have to just rely on old photographs or old videotapes from you know camcorders that you've since probably gotten rid of you don't need to do any of that conversion you literally have what this guy was sharing all the way up like i think his oldest broadcast right now is two weeks old yeah but like that's all there and 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 so uh, I mean, um, uh, yeah, they need to keep it because it's this. This also sounds like he was. I mean, the show you did with him sounds like something that should be around for at least another twenty years and, and accessible to have. Like he, he was having good discussions, from what I could tell. Oh yeah, I, he, I mean, yeah, you know, and really interactive with his community. He was just a good, solid dude. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, uh, you know, and I, I highly encourage that if you ever want to learn how to run a live stream, watch his stuff because it'll teach you. 
he puts on a, a solid clinic from time to time. Yeah, I, I thought his uh, I thought his presentation was pretty good and whatnot. I'm, I'm I regret not <laughs> I regret not making more time for him. So, but I am grateful for those of you that did get the time. And it sounds like, and you know what? In the end, you guys were all more deserving of his time than I was. So. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I think uh, it's I okay. think if you get the opportunity, watch his videos because who he was is definitely there. Awesome. That's that's good to hear, and I'm glad that legacy is is there. And yes, hopefully, yeah. Good good wishes to you guys. Get control of his channel. I hope you guys get it. And I hope you're able to yeah set it as a as a permanent memorial. Yeah, it sounds absolutely good. All right, we're now winding down to the last few minutes. So if there's any last minute discussion anyone has, we'll just open the floor to open forum. I guess. Um, I do want to thank everybody uh, who made it out tonight. Nemesis of Eden, good to see you as always. Uh, Mike loves cats. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, Daniel Larson, of course, thank you for your discussion as well. Uh, Dahlia Lightwood, glad you made it. Hope you're feeling better. And uh, Jonathan, Jonathan uh, G94, 94. thanks for bringing the enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. Hyping us up for Ahsoka. I look forward to turning it on right after this show. Um, oh, crap. Lost my ear. Yeah. Um, yeah, guys, it, look, we we wouldn't be able to do this show to the same quality without you guys. Yeah. So we really appreciate it. Daniel Larson writes, and now about that Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, go on. Um, what, uh, what was I, was I, I was going somewhere with something. Um, oh, yeah. I actually prefer that nobody expects the rules of acquisition. Right. We, we are uh, in the process of self-monetizing. Um, getting subscription services set up through Subscribestar. Uh, it's basically going to be a donation tier to start, and we're going to call it Alpha Membership. Uh, basically, because we're not ready to go fully public, especially with the Discord just yet, but we're getting there. And uh, But we do, for those of you that are willing to fork out $22.19 a month because you're that dedicated, guess what? You'll get the special spot, you'll get it access and whatnot. But yeah, we're not really seeking to build membership just yet. I think we're going to start with some simple donations systems because, yeah, we want to get cranking out more content, too. And, of course, eh, monetary donations do get the uh, do get our attention with suggestions for content that you may want to have us review or whatnot. Just know that me personally, and I'm also reluctant to promote anything on Netflix on our channel all overall. But me personally, I'm I'm I talk about Netflix in offline privately, otherwise publicly uh if you're going to have the cuties movie, you should probably also have sound of freedom up there to balance things out. Just an idea. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, thank everybody for listening, whether you're listening on a rewatch, whether it's on the podcast that we keep failing to upload. We of course do have the episodes backlogged if anyone's interested, but we are trying to keep up with our Spotify and iTunes podcast listeners. <clears throat> I think the, what is it? Two or three people. Yeah, uh, I keep forgetting sometimes this is an audio show uh, as well. Um, let's see. We're audio, we're video, you know, uh, you don't want to smell us. Although, I think I smell like cinnamon buns. Oh, I so do want to get okay. to the point where we can, you know, have like arenas full of live shows and have like three people in an entire basketball arena. But we're all meeting in person. <laughs> I mean, come on spend money on that just to say we did it it's like yeah anybody can rent an arena even a channel with 351 subscribers 
Oh, man. Ah, so. What's on everybody's mind? I, I guess we've we, we've gotten too good at wrapping it up. Well, it helped that John didn't do his homework. So Well, I, I will say... Um, I guess we are doing know, two DS9s next week after all. Yeah. I mean, I had a pretty freaking crazy last video, and I would love oh. it if everyone would take a look and uh, yeah. share it out if possible. You've got the wrench. Throw it in your uh, throw it in the chat, and that's fine. Yeah, guys, this was uh, it, it's definitely controversial because it has to do with religious clashing. But you know, um, here at the Ryder Brothers, um, I, I can't exactly have this flag up and not believe in the First Amendment, and so we respect all faiths and ideas. As long yeah. as ours are respected in return. Respect begets respect. And if you're of the Christian belief, well, Jesus said pretty plain, plainly and directly, treat others the way you want to be treated. There's no context attached to that. Um, yeah. So, yes, please check out this video. It's what not to do in a religious protest. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in Canada, where free speech is kind of more of a privilege than a right. And eh, Well, I mean, okay, no, 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 no. Speak. You're allowed to say what you want, so long as what you're saying is not in is not an attempt to cause harm. And I walk in a fine line with that because I, I get then, it. Then you come down to well, who defines what is harm, and that's where I start to absolutely. Like... And that's where you know that's I would argue is the primary difference between U.S. And, the U.S. and Canada. And I am not saying one system is better than the other. I deal more, though, in what is as opposed to what, you know, what is the best, right? And I think there's room in existence for both systems. Well, yeah, because, like, I agree. Um, private property is private property. And if you, yep. if you, if the public space is going to be uh, worked in a way that you have to rent time or you can get permits to have exclusivity, then there's some, you know, area where, okay, no, because in, in the United States... You don't have the right to defame. In front of a government assembly, you can say whatever you want. Anybody that bangs the gavel saying you need to be civil is actually uh, stepping out of line. They're not supposed to do that. Um, but yeah, in front of a government assembly, you do have the right. But you don't have the right to defame. And that's where I think that the Canadian idea starts that's, to come in with harm. That's it. And that's that's the logic. And look... Um, Daniel, uh, I don't know if you're actually Canadian or what have you. Look... Nobody's a particular... I don't think there's any group in Canada that is particularly impressed with Trudeau's performance. That being said, I can't argue in this case that what was done was in any way conscionable. And even if you're of the opinion that he should have the right to say it, that doesn't make you a good person. Right. Right? And that, that to me, is is the way to, to go about it, Right. So, you know, and this has less to do with our, our government leaders and more to do with a philosophy on how we approach our general society. And I would highly recommend watching the video, making yeah. up your own mind. And look, I, I laid out the system, what happened pretty bare bones and pretty straightforward. And I think I provided a fairly reasonable approach to all of it. I'll just simply, uh, yeah, as we close out, I'll just say that uh, it's rather encouraging when a, when a self-proclaimed witch says uh, on a video out on the internet that if her son was Christian, 
she'd still love him anyway. Um, and I think that was one of my biggest takeaways. I'm Pete York, the Ryder Brothers. See you when I see you. This has been a presentation of the Ryder Brothers Tuesday Night Live show. The Ryder Brothers says fair winds to Cardinal Sin and peace.